not it. Welcome to Untitled Reads, new episode of Untitled Reads. Uh, I'm Caleb. I guess I did the intro. Yeah, you you just went for I the intro. Us, <laughs> I took us in with a little reggae music. Yeah, Caleb, tell us what you were playing. Um, I was playing the chords to Rasta Man Live Up, oh. a classic Bob Marley song. And why would I be playing a classic Bob Marley song? Amy, the other host of this show. <laughs> I think because on this Untitled Reads episode, we are going to be talking about a book called So Much Things to Say, The Oral History of Bob Marley by Roger Steffens. So I think that's why you chose that song I think to that us. is why I chose that song. But <laughs> If you are new to this podcast series, this is called Untitled Reads, and it is a podcast series where Caleb and I kind of... I don't know. I don't know, like book review. Like we give our. It's not really a review. We just kind of give our thoughts. It's almost like we a, talk about it. It's a, we talk about so it. So it's like a book club. Yeah. So in sometimes a way, that means exclusive because it's available to anyone if yes. you want to read the books. So sometimes that means I feel like that means like we talk about what happens in the book. We talk about our thoughts, our opinions, our questions. Yeah. We just discussed. That's what we're going to do. So that's what we're going to do. <laughs> um, so this is uh, the third episode in that series. And you know what? I'm just realizing that I didn't like the Palo Santo that I got out to kind of like, you know, set the vibe for this cast. Well, you better catch up because we got so much things to say about so much things to say. But uh, we are getting it nice and Palo Santo-y smoky in here. You know, you got to like set the mood, set the vibe. Especially in this this setting. Yeah. Ooh, you hear it crackle. That's pretty good. There it is. All right. There it is. We can awesome. begin talking about... So much things to say. So, I think we should start by just talking about, like, what made each of us want to read a book about Bob Marley. Yeah, so you know? the history to how we got this book was we were in Moab, mm -hmm. which we are currently in Moab, Utah, mm -hmm. and yes. uh, there's a cool little local bookstore called Back of Beyond Books. They're awesome. And we've been in there several times. I mean, like, we, we do love books. Yeah. And our loving, it seems to increase. The love for books seems to increase as we get older. And I think that's one of, I mean, it wasn't the reason, there's a bookshelf in the van, mm -hmm. which, um, is awesome. Mm -hmm. um, huge selling point for us. Huge selling point for it. Kind of just a bonus. We weren't looking for a van with a bookcase, but we got one. Yeah. And then yeah. we filled, and then actually we still, we're just having fun adding books to it and reading books. Anyways, uh, Amy really wanted to read a book about Bob Marley. And mm -hmm. so you just went into that store and they're like, can I help you? And you're like, I'm looking for a book about Bob Marley. <laughs> so yeah, I just had, so I, this was really your catalyst. It kind of was. Yeah. But we both, I mean, we both have been very intrigued by Bob Marley and felt very, I don't know, I feel like in a weird way, I've always felt like called to him, even though mm -hmm. we have never lived on the earth at the same time. I've always felt this connection to him, to his music, to his lifestyle, to everything that he just believed in. And honestly, I didn't always really know what that, like, I felt that way before I even really knew what all that stuff was, Yeah, you know? That's exactly how I felt too. Like yeah. for some reason, like my growing up, we did not 
Like, I was not exposed to a whole lot of Bob Same. Marley music, like, at all. I mean, like, I, knew, <laughs> I knew the popular stuff, like Three Little Birds and yeah. One Love. Um, yeah, I knew the popular stuff, but, but that was, that was even, not, that was just from pop culture. Yeah, really. pop culture, yeah. not from, like, any deep studying yeah Yeah. Bob Marley but um I always felt the same way too like I was just had a like draw to him and even then like until honestly until I read this book I didn't I don't know a whole lot about him yeah like I knew a certain thing I knew he died young Mm -hmm. but I didn't know how he died Mm -hmm. but I and I didn't know much else besides he had dreadlocks and he sang these songs but I just knew you felt like you got it through just his personality and his music, you like understood what he was mm-hmm. about. And so you could be like drawn to him just by like hearing his, you, you know, in the book, they talk about how he mystifies people with his vocals, which yeah. we'll get to. But, and I think that just drew us both in. Yeah, it definitely did. And then, I mean, not to mention, I think we were actually described this morning as you look like beach people. It's like, <laughs> yes. I feel like you and I have always just been attracted. Well, especially now I have dreadlocks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you're shirtless. Head of dreadlocks and, and yeah. I'm shirtless and very tan at the moment. You are. So I do look like an island folk. But you and I, I think, have always been drawn to island culture. Yes. And reggae music is a yes. huge part of island culture. And so I think that, like, yeah, hearing that sound just, like, connected with that part of me that knew I loved island life Mm. and it just added a whole nother layer and like if you've been to any um islands especially in the caribbean like music is just huge like it's it's huge there especially in jamaica um it's just yeah it's a big deal like it's a big deal in the u.s and it's a big deal everywhere else too but i don't know it, it feels more like from the soul i don't know it's like that's the i don't know i don't know how to describe it but yeah, that is kind of, I would say, how we got to this point of life. Well, That's then it was, I mean, then we started vacationing in Jamaica yeah. a few times, which, like, not, like, wasn't intentional. We weren't, like, originally, like, oh, I want to go to Jamaica. We've been to the Caribbean a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we had kind of gotten the island culture and vibes. Mm-hmm. Um, like you were saying, you were, you were drawn to, like... island culture then we started going to jamaica and it just felt like so right and i think that's where they play reggae music like almost all the time Mm -hmm. just in the background of whatever you're doing um and i think that now then also became like a nostalgic thing for us yeah in our relationship like that was a very that was like our honeymoon we went there and we went back had a drew like a drawing to like reggae music and island culture and Mm -hmm. i feel like that just really cemented that we just had like incredible incredible memories there and lots of them just like when we'd hear like those that rhythm coming on yeah the steel drums it would just like can like take you back instantly to those good memories for us so i think that was a huge that huge helps well. and we always really bonded with the jamaican people mm-hmm. too which was great mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i feel like we would know like everyone all the workers at the resorts well and just like i don't know just that like i said i feel yeah i feel very connected to that culture and the people there i feel like i feel very drawn to and i feel like um i feel like we understand each other kind of in a weird way even though we live very different lives uh-huh. um but, yeah, so we knew we wanted, or I knew I wanted to read a book on Bob Marley, and I knew I didn't want to, trying to buy, I'm trying to buy local as much as possible, so I knew I didn't want to, I, I mean, I love Barnes & Noble, I've spent so much time in there, but I was really trying, or Amazon, like, I was really trying to just not go to one of those yep. outlets and go to a local bookstore to find a biography on Bob Marley, which... Most local bookstores, at least in, like, the towns we're in, they're pretty small, so... 
I mean, I did feel like the chances of that happening were slim. Like the mm-hmm. first one, actually, we went to that I was looking for a Bob Marley book was in Tucson. So it was actually in a big city, but it was like a local store. And I went in and I asked if they had any books on Bob Marley and they didn't. Um, and so I was like expecting to hear that answer kind of over and over again. Mm. But the second one we went to was in Moab. And I just asked, I was like, hey, like, I'm not looking for a specific one, just any book on Bob Marley. And they had one, which was so, so, so awesome. And so that that was so much things to say. Yeah. And if they don't have the book they're, you're looking for, they will order it for yeah. you at a discounted price if they don't have it in their uh, stock. So, if yeah, if you're going through Moab, Utah and need a book, stop by Back of Beyond Books. Yeah. Yeah. So even if they, like, I'll probably, like, if I want to read another one, I'll just go back there and be like, yeah. can you order me another one? I do want to read another one. I do too. But But we're talking about this one. We're talking about this one. So Mm -hmm. much things to say. I've never even heard of this book. I've actually heard of a Bob Marley book, The History of Seven Killings, I believe, which is actually a Yeah, you brought that one up to me. um, Was like the first book. I think even when you were looking for a Bob Marley book, I found the name of that one from someone who recommended it to me. And uh, they didn't have that. Yeah. But they had this one. And it was a great... Would you call it a biography? What, yes. What kind of, it says, well, so it's called The Oral History of Bob Marley. It's written very interesting because it's basically written in interview form. So there is an author, Roger Steffens, who is like a big... He's almost like a narrator. Yeah. More well, in this book. Author, in the book. But yeah, just yeah. him in general. He is very... He's very into the reggae world. He's into like radio and yeah. like... Reggae radio. Reggae radio. Yeah, he started a few like reggae radio stations and... I don't know. He's in the reggae world in the U.S. So, of course, he's also in the reggae world in the other countries where reggae <laughs> like, yeah. originated, like Jamaica. Um, but, yeah, the format of the book is interesting because it is it's just a collection of interviews he has had with people over the last, like, I don't know, 40 years. Yeah. From... Um, about Bob and Bob's life and the and the whalers in their life. So it's written in straight up, like he doesn't summarize everything everyone says. He literally like, it's written, Roger Steffens, this is what he said. And then yeah. underneath, Bunny Whaler, this is what he yeah, said. Like an interview, a segment from mm-hmm. an inter- interview that he had with Bunny Whaler that applies to the, I mean, it's broken into a chronological form of mm-hmm. like his life from like where he was raised in childhood, but it's just told in a way um, that's done through interviews of people involved in his life and people who knew him like growing up and mm-hmm. like in every stage of his life. It's just those interviews. Yeah. Which was honestly, I was kind of, um, when I saw you reading it, yeah. I was kind of like wary. I thought that might be the one thing that was just a weird reading aspect. But when I started reading it, it feels almost like you're reading the script to a documentary. Mm-hmm. Like that's what it, re- it almost feels like a documentary, but in your mind, in your <laughs> like mind. with with words, like literally, that's what it feels like. Roger Steffens will like kind of intro something, and then there will be just interview after interview of people in Bob Marley's life, all pieced together to tell the aspect of like how he grew up. And yeah. I think Roger Steffens gives like context. Yes, he, like, context sets the scene a little bit. Um, or there are some things because literally he is just putting down there what you know all the people he's interviewing are saying he might have to like intervene and like explain what they are referring to or what they were talking about when they said this Mm -hmm. yeah but he and then even then he had to dig up some of the words or some of the interviews in here are from like videotaped interviews with someone else that he had to like go and find or from like their book so he really did a lot of research and like a lot of work Mm -hmm. in putting this together over the course of yeah 40 years yeah like getting this information yeah so 
I, I do so remember. So props to Roger. I remember. I can't remember if it's in like the the forward or there's, I think it's either in the forward or the intro or something. The question comes up like, there have been so many books written about Bob Marley. Like, why this one? Like, uh-huh. why did Roger Steffens write this one? And um, that's that was kind of his like reasoning for this one is he was like, I wanted like the people that knew Bob best and were around him the most. I wanted like their voices to get out. Yeah. Or to be put on paper for people to hear and learn and, yeah, you know. And it comes across, like, you get a, like, I guess we were just kind of led to this book, too. It feels like <laughs> it. Yeah. Because, like, you get a very interesting view of Bob Marley, of Bob Marley in his mm-hmm. life. Like, even originally, like, growing up, I feel like the first third of the book is really dealing with interviews with the original Whalers. Yeah, the OG Whalers. Yeah, like, the OG Whalers, all the ones he, like, he met as he was growing up, and they kind of formed the first, they were just, like, the Whaling Whalers. Yeah. I guess it was kind of the first Bob Marley album, if you look in his yeah. discography. Um, and they're all telling, like, all varying stories of, like, the same event. It's almost like the Gospels in the Bible with well, their little differences here and there. But it's really funny. And you get, like, different takes on one person would see this in Bob and one person would see mm-hmm, the exact opposite, mm-hmm. like, in the same, like, circumstance. Well, it's funny because, like, at the very beginning of the book, it just says there are no facts in Jamaica, only versions. It says that's an old folk saying. And it is, like... So, like, I mean, that just comes so true in this book and in these interviews is like, yeah, sometimes the interviews contradict themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, like, he'll be... They contradict themselves a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like, or um, Roger Steffens will kind of set up, you know, talking about maybe how the Whalers originally formed and who was in the group. And you'll hear one yes. person say, oh, he thought he was in the group, but he definitely wasn't. And then yeah. the, that guy will be like, oh, she thought I wasn't in the group, but I definitely wasn't. You know, <laughs> yeah. or just like. And then like even how they're like the story of how their name, the Whalers, came about. Mm-hmm. There was like everyone had a completely different version of like, oh, we heard this voice say it one time. Yeah. To like, no, like me and Bob came up with that the other day yeah. or something like. Yeah. And so that that but was so intriguing. It is. And there's something like really human about that, you know, mm-hmm. because I mean. Who know and like and it just adds to the mystery of Bob kind of it's like who really knows yeah. some of these little details because the, even the people who were there can give different accounts. Yeah. So who really knows? Honestly, I think I'm just gonna like go ahead and jump to my thesis of the whole book. Thesis. <laughs> what, well, what's a thesis? My conclusion. My summary. One summary. line summary. Oh no, I'm just gonna say that I think that's overall what this book did to me is kind of like humanized Bob a little more. But all it did in humanizing him was like add to his legend. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like making him more human and like bringing him down to earth, kind of from like. I'm not saying I was like holding him on the pedestal. I just didn't know a lot about him. And I was like, I revere this guy so much and love his music and like love what he puts out and know nothing about him. And now I know some things about him, but I feel like I've definitely learned like deep aspects of his life, even though, you know, truth is relative. But what are some things that stand out to you that you like learned? But that's what about, what, his about life him that made him more human or like um, made that reverence stronger. I mean, I didn't know anything about Bob. So even the fact that he was like raised extremely poor like mm-hmm. in the projects of uh outside of kingston i guess Trenchtown, which he sings about a lot yeah, yeah. um and then was like only raised only had his mom because he was like um a mixed race and his mm-hmm. dad was english well his mom his parents were both jamaican uh-huh. but his mom was black jamaican and his dad was white, white jamaican. jamaican yes so he was 100 percent jamaican but he was like it, the color of his skin was mixed yes which was like a i mean 
at that time <laughs> was not good in any country to mm-hmm. be uh you know a different color so like even yeah he like his mom he was living with his mom in jamaica or like had a connection to her but she kind of disassociated with mm-hmm. him even from like years one to five because like bob was viewed as like an outsider and mm-hmm. like looked down upon and discriminated against because he was mixed race mm-hmm. even though he was pure jamaican mm-hmm. yeah. so like i i kind of had no idea that he came from that kind of background mm-hmm. yeah yeah I... I feel like it was always guessed because those countries have a lot of poverty mm-hmm. but um, yeah yeah he, it was interesting to hear about how him being, like, a mixed color really affected the way people treated him and the things yeah. people said to him, the way they viewed him. Um, but he definitely dealt with that down in Jamaica. And so, yeah, once his mom kind of, like, I, I don't want to say abandoned, once his mom just, like, kind of just let him go, him. I, I don't yeah, know. I don't, I don't. He hung out in Trenchtown, in the government yards in Trenchtown. <laughs> and it is, it is, yeah, one of my favorite things actually is like hearing, like reading about the things that I've heard him sing about, you know, like, of course you hear him sing about yes. Trenchtown or Trenchtown a lot. Um, I also, I didn't think I knew his music was so like autobiographical mm, as it mm-hmm. was. Like, I feel like you get lines here and there, but now, um, like reading through the book it really like connects yes you see <laughs> the like, words and the music to his the life. legend yeah to yeah his life. yeah yeah no that was really cool um i forgot what else i was gonna say you were talking about his mom in trenchtown i don't know but oh, well. <laughs> sorry it might come back later <laughs> what what would you say in the book like was there Hmm. What was your favorite thing that you learned in the book? Oh, I feel like similar to your first question, but I learned so much stuff. So much things. <laughs> so much things. I mean, oh, another great time where everyone's different. I meant to bring this up is when uh, they had different stories on all how they met, first met Bob. Oh, yeah. And like a lot of people, like they're like, what was your first um, like thoughts of Bob? And they all thought he was very like shy, shy. and reserved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, they kind of could see it because he was probably, you know, he was, like, a mixed-race Jamaican. So mm-hmm. they could see how he was probably kind of shyer. And, but, you know, people remember him as, like, this enigmatic, like, awesome performer and just well, I remember his life. I remember them mentioning that, like, even when the Whalers, like, had formed, which you learn that, like, the members of that group changed a few times. Um, changed a lot. Yeah. I was actually more impressed with by the end when they were kind of listing out the whalers, or like who went with them on their final tour, yeah. and like who was still around. And there was like two, three was people still around. Yeah. But well, it's interesting because you'll hear because like you'll hear interviews from like um, their like recording producers or like managers, mm-hmm. and a lot of them will talk about how like they didn't think Bob was like the best singer of the group no no one thought bob was like the best singer mm-hmm. but they did say that like he had some sort of presence about him that was like he had like a leader presence yeah like he wasn't necessarily the best singer to be a lead singer of a, a group but his presence and his like leadership i feel like really just naturally put him in that spot yeah he was just kind of i, I can't remember someone said in the book like yeah he wasn't the best singer but he was just like a natural superstar you could almost tell mm-hmm. like his presence and everything yeah okay but something else like i feel like that really kind of tied in with 
you know how we both kind of mentioned like we felt very drawn to him but like we didn't know a lot about and we knew some of his music but we didn't know a lot about him and his history and mm-hmm. like his the real like personal side of his legacy yeah something that i just something that really stood out to me and then kind of goes along with him not necessarily being the best singer but just like naturally being like the leader and just kind of having this like aura about him is when he told his mom when he was a kid that he was going to die at age 36. (laughs) He told like a few people that. Yeah. Like, which is, if you don't know, that is the age that he died. And there's something just special about him, you know? And like special, I think isn't even a good enough word. (laughs) It's not the right word, but it's the only one I can think of right now. He just like, I mean, a lot of people think of him as, like, prophetic in ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely see that. Like, he is, yeah, he's kind of like a prophet who was given the gift, and he was definitely trying to give that gift out as much as possible. Yeah, but he didn't, like, he definitely didn't, like, portray himself in that way. You know, like, he wasn't walking around, or I wouldn't say he was walking around being like, I'm a prophet, listen to me. No, but I think but I you believe... just, you, something inside of, I think you and I felt drawn to that. But I also feel like it was towards the end of the book on one of, like, maybe um, the second to last tour he ever went on that the newest members of the band started noticing, like, a change in him. Mm -hmm. And they said he was carrying himself more like he had a message. Like, he was, like, trying... He was, like, on a mission out Mm -hmm. here. Like, every show he was booking and every show he was doing where he was going, like, he was there for a reason. And he was, like, Mm -hmm. really trying to, like... He was, like, walking like that and holding himself like that. And they said they just noticed, like, a huge, like... He already had a great presence, and now it was just, like, a... You know... Almost like he became aware and conscious of it. Yes. He just, like, ascended real quick. And he was just, like, I have... I'm gonna give, like... This is my mission. This is my purpose. So I do remember that, but... Yeah, I don't... I just, I remember reading that, reading that he said that to his mom, and I was like, whoa. But yeah. also, I wasn't surprised. At the same time, I was like, of course, of course Bob knew. He knew he would die at 36 of melanoma cancer. And then another, like, little fun, interesting <laughs> thing is, so he ends up dying because he gets melanoma cancer on his foot. Mm-hmm. He injures his foot, like, multiple times before that. Like, he has always had, like, a foot thing. Yes. You know, it's like... It's been, like, his thorn in the flesh. <laughs> yes. Like, his foot was the part of his body that was always getting injured or always getting uh, hurt. Like, like pretty... he stepped on a rake one time. Or, a, <laughs> I, yeah, I guess it was a rake that Some was left. Some sort of yard tool. And it, like, went up through his foot. And yeah. he just, like, put dirt on it and wrapped it up and, like, went back to work. Yeah. Like, he was kind of a tough dude, Yeah. Too. But just, I thought that was, like, an interesting... I don't know. There's just some things you learn like that and you're kind of like, hmm... I feel like that's not a coincidence. Yeah. You know? I don't really know what else is behind that, but I just I don't, don't feel like that's a coincidence. Yeah. And then he hurt that foot playing soccer, and then that foot had cancer, <laughs> and then that cancer spread, and yeah, that's how he died. And back in the day, actually, I had thought for a second that he had died by getting shot. Because he does get shot. Because he does get shot. <laughs> and I knew that he died, like, all I knew at that time was that he died young, and that I had heard that he also had been shot at. Mm-hmm. At some point, so I thought maybe he got shot and killed. But who would shoot and kill Bob Marley? Which was a huge—I mean, that's a huge section of the book. It's yeah. talking about this, um, how it's still a mystery. It's still a mystery. Yeah. yeah. But some people one night before this big concert in Jamaica mm-hmm. that Bob was about to put on, um, which and it was, was a political. It was like show. The, there was two political parties warring at the time, and they were kind of. 
backing it. Mm-hmm. Um, one party was backing one party, Bob's show. Yeah, to like, but they were going to try and have like a, this unity between the two um, mm-hmm. important people, <laughs> the high society members. The high society. The high society. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, for the concert, but Bob was really much focused on like giving his gift of music to the mm-hmm. people. He didn't want to worry about the politics, but the like the two nights before the show um at his house in jamaica was like raided by this one random group of cars and they went around shooting shooting up the house but also like they didn't kill anyone yeah like kind of like people have said i mean the stories about this were all over the place (laughs) in the book but i mean of course if the stories about like the name of how the name of the whalers came about was all over the place you know the stories about this but and bob's house at the time was kind of like his recording studio his like whole band and kind of like entourage was living there with him so there was a lot of yeah there was like a compound and there was a lot of people there when it happened and everyone had varying stories i mean some people were critically injured but recovered um, and Bob ended up getting shot in the arm. And mm-hmm. yeah, I remember, I think one account is like, you could tell the guy was intentionally trying to miss Bob, but like scare everyone. I don't know. Send a message. Send a message. And then they just disappeared off in, in, into the dark and <laughs> no one knows who shot it. And they're like, should we do this huge concert in two days? Is Bob Marley even safe? Uh, and he ends up, long story short, he ends up doing the show. And it sounded like when I was reading, oh man, I'm like kind of getting... I don't know, I'm getting some, all the feels, just thinking back on it. When I was reading that chapter of him doing that show mm-hmm. and like the accounts of, you hear the accounts of like a lot of the people on stage with him. Because he had, I think he said like hundreds of people on stage with him for protection. <sighs> like everyone in Bob's life, like, because that was one of the things security was very, because he just got shot at. Like there was an assassination <laughs> attempt on him mm-hmm. leading up to the show. So he was worried to go out in public and someone might do something. So like everyone, they were all talking about how like everyone who knew Bob or who was in his life, like was on stage to like protect him. Mm-hmm. They were just like, they're, they're like, if you're going to shoot at Bob, you're going to have to get through us. all of us. Yeah. Yeah. And it just sounded so... I don't remember whose account it was, but someone was talking about him up there on stage singing just with, like, a bullet hole in his arm. <laughs> yeah, he has, like, a bandage on his arm. Yes. With the bullet, I mean, he took it to his grave. It was yeah. just lodged in his arm for the rest of his life. But, yeah, even uh, driving around the other day, I was like, if I ever had to go back to a moment in history to, like, witness again, I was like, I think I would go back and see that concert, the Smile Jamaica concert. Yes. Is that what it was yes. called? Yes. That it sounded it sounded just like an epic legendary moment in i mean like any live bob show would be an epic legendary moment but that one just had so much leading up to it and like it would have been emotional i get emotional thinking about it yeah i mean that whole story it was just incredible to learn about from like people closest to like people with him like transporting him from 56 hope road to his house Mm -hmm. in nine mile to try and hide him and then yet you know they like hired guard to be hide in the woods with machetes and Mm -hmm. like people are telling like what Bob is like through this whole situation. And you're really getting like a perspective, like you're sitting right beside Bob Mm -hmm. while he's like, he just got shot last night. He has to do the biggest concert of his life in two days. And it's like, what is he thinking? And yeah, just that the whole book is just so cool. (laughs) It is really cool. It is really cool. Like I got very into it after you read it first. I'm Mm -hmm. like, I think I'm going to read that book. And yeah, I got extremely voracious. Yes. Remember you said this is like the fastest you've ever seen me read a book. I think so. But it still ended up taking me a while. Well, yes, it can. I mean, it can be, it's long and it can be a little challenging to read some of the dialect, Mm -hmm. but worth it. Yes. 
it was cool. One of the things I really liked about this book and something if you haven't read the book, but you're intrigued, something I would recommend actually is like listening through all of Bob and the Whalers, um, all of their music. I would recommend like listening through all of it a few times and like having a good knowledge about it. Cause one of my favorite things to read in this book was when he would, they would talk about each individual album and like mm. what Bob was going through at the time, how it was made, maybe what some of the inspo for the songs were. And it was always really, really cool when they were talking about an album that I knew really Where well. Where certain lines came from. Yeah. yeah. Like if they were talking about an album I knew really well or a song I knew really well, yeah. like that made it that much cooler. Um, so that was really cool and really fun to read about. So all that to say, what would you say is your favorite Bob Marley album? If you were to tell someone, listen, Bob Marley album and the Whalers. Oh man. Well, we really did the deep dive on Bob Marley and the Whalers discography. Like I feel like the last year and a half, Mm -hmm. I feel like that was pretty much, we had legend on Mm -hmm. the album, which is all of his, it was his his, best of basically. And, but the, over the last like year and a half, we like dove deep and that mm-hmm. was a cool thing. Like knowing the albums and like knowing the songs. Cause like we've, yeah, we listen to them on the daily. All the time. All the <laughs> Multiple time. times a day. And so like to hear like, Oh, that's where that line came from. Or like, this is how that line was written. And mm-hmm. this was based on his part of his life was really cool. Mm-hmm. And then also talking about, they even had the guy who like designed their album artwork and like where, where like the, 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 Kaya the photo. Ph- yeah, the mm-hmm. photographer who took the Kaya photo and like what was happening at that time. And then she, she was like, it was super casual. She was mm-hmm. like, I just went to the pool, uh, this specific pool with this guy one day. And like Bob Marley was there just sitting at the table, like hanging out. And I went and took the photo of him because I was supposed to like be photographing him. Um, and that ended up being the album cover. And that, yeah, all that was really cool. Yeah. Um, favorite Bob Marley album right now? Who? It rotates. It kind of which one, which one, wherever. On heavy rotation. Whichever one we're spinning right now, yes, on heavy rotation. But I would have to say, I think Rasta Man Vibration is. um, The steady constant. It feels like the steady constant, kind of like the home run album of like. The home run. Grand Slam. But I really like, oh, I mean, all of the others. I just. I know, it's hard. You can put any of them on right now from. Yeah. It's hard. (laughs) What about you? What would you say? Oh, man. I mean. Which everyone's playing. <laughs> yes. So same. Yeah. Ditto. Same as you. I mean, Rastaman Vibration is a really good one. I really like Kaya a lot, too. Yeah. Excuse me while I light my spliff. Spliff. <laughs> yeah, Kaya's good. Confrontation. I know. Exodus, uprising. Uprising, yeah. We need to get to learn survival a little bit more. Survival. Don't know that one as well. Yes, they talk about the co- how that cover was designed on mm-hmm. that one, mm-hmm. which was cool. I remember that. Yeah. It's interesting, too, like, how much... I think I'm, like, really starting to s- grasp, like, how crazy it is that an artist, a musician who died so long ago is still, like, how far his legend's been carrying on and how much he has done just for the whole country of Jamaica. Like, how... In the world. In the world. What she's done for me, we're not even in Japan. Okay, that's true. But I just mean, like, when you think, I bet if you um, interviewed a thousand, or if you asked a thousand people on the street, just tell me the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of Jamaica. Probably Bob Marley. How, like, (laughs) 99 out of a thousand, 999 are going to say Bob Marley. Yeah. One person's going to say beach. I don't know. Red stripe. Red stripe. That'll be you. Ooh, I could go for a red stripe right now. But just, like, can you even grasp the the magnitude of that? Like, yeah. he was not 
he was a fabulous musician, but like he was not just a musician. Like he somehow became the like unintentionally, I think, became the ambassador and the face of this country, even like fifty years after his death. Yeah. And like he will, I think he will always be. I mean, yeah, his legend has just grown in me so much more about reading all these events that I had no idea that ever happened from Mm -hmm. the story of him getting shot to like playing the shows for the kings in Africa, Mm -hmm. the king of Bongo or Mm -hmm. whatever in Africa, Mm -hmm. and then like wanting to play a free show for the people that he came there for, um, all his trips to Zimbabwe, like... He was very inspired by that. Yeah. Oh, man. Just their... It was... He's he's an amazing dude. I know. Can't cannot recommend the book enough. <laughs> cannot recommend the book enough. And there was yeah, you just get to see every side of him from mm-hmm. all different viewpoints from um from people from love interests to like family members to even there's a section Bob Marley with Bob Marley at the end, which is the hardest to understand. <laughs> hardest to penetrate the patois. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um yeah, very cool book. Yeah. Yeah. What's your favorite Bob Marley song? Whoa. Okay, that's like even harder than <laughs> album. I know. I mean, oh gosh. Probably Redemption Song. Redemption Song? Yeah. I like that one a lot. Yeah. I feel like that's my steady constant. You know, like there might be times where I'm listening to it, bumping another song a little more, or like feeling another song, but I think that's my constant. Redemption Song? What about you? I think this one changes more than the album, for sure. <laughs> it's literally just whichever one I'm vibing with at the time, which is uh, Rastaman Live Up. Rastaman Live Up. Which was our intro song. Yes. Yes. Yes, the intro song. Check it out on the album Confrontation. And yes. I don't I, I don't have so much things to say anymore. You don't have so much things to say? Mm-hmm. It, I mean, the book really speaks for itself. I will say one more thing that really stood out to me from the book that I learned that I didn't know anything about was... Um, like how much the music business like Bob was tied up in and how much yeah. he like got screwed over like several, you know, for a year, half of his life probably. Yeah. Um, and same with the Whalers band with their music, just getting like, they, they were just getting taken advantage of. They 100% got so taken long. advantage of multiple times by multiple managers or. Yeah. And they tried to start one studio and they would, that guy would like rip them off and like, just mm-hmm. like make them sign contracts that they didn't understand. And they don't and, own like, their music. They don't own any of their music. Yeah. I mean, Bob Marley ended up being like extremely wealthy, yes. which was, and would give away so much of that wealth. Yeah. There was like one whole chapter on about how, like when he was home in Jamaica, there would be just like a line of people like waiting outside his house from like with any need possible. And he mm-hmm. would just, one guy was like, I was the check signer. Bob would tell me to write a check for this dude, and I'd write it. How was and, the check sign? And that kind of reminded me, honestly, of Jesus. We yes. were talking about the prophet, but I was yeah. like, that that whole chapter of just, like, anytime he was home, people would just, like, flock around him and be, like, asking for stuff, ask him to, like, asking him to help them. And he would just give and give and give, whether it was money, whatever. He was, like, always putting his friends up in houses, too. Like and That's what I'm saying. I think it's so much more. He's obviously a really talented musician, but he's so much more than that. Yeah. He fronted the whole trip to Zimbabwe for, like, mm-hmm. his whole band to put on a show to, like, buy and build a stage and all the sound systems in uh, this country just so they can put on a show. Mm-hmm. Like, so he can play a show for them. He, like, paid for the show for them. Like, all that stuff. So he could bring them the message and be a part of them. It was interesting to hear, yeah, some of the whalers and people in his band, like, they sounded frustrated and angry that they hadn't seen, 
you know, there were some OG whalers who like didn't last very long yeah. in the group and like haven't been in the group for a long time. We were like, I haven't seen a dime from any whalers recordings that I did or mm-hmm. that I wrote. And you can sense like obviously there's some like frustration there. But anytime they talked about <clears throat> anytime they talked about Bob and money, mm-hmm. it was like, oh, Bob didn't care about money. Like he was he didn't care. No. Yeah, even later in his life, like, someone broke to him that he was still, like, getting ripped off. Like, Mm -hmm. he thought he was getting the full pay from, like, this tour, but his manager was, like, splitting it half, like, 50-50, but had told Bob he was getting the full thing, and he was just, like, didn't care. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. He was, like, not out to do it for the money, and, like, yeah, he would just give it away, it sounded like, when he was in Jamaica, and give anything people needed away. Give them what they want. And I think you can just... Whether how much you know, if you know a lot about him or you don't, you just know he sings reggae music. Like, I think everyone can at least pick up on that without specifically knowing what that looked like in his life. Like, I think just listening to his music, you hear, you hear like, I bet. And I think that's why we wanted to read this. Like you hear, listen to his music, something calls to you and you're like, I feel like there's just like a lot more to this guy. Like, I want to learn more about him. Yeah. Yeah, learn, and this is a great book to do it. You learn about all stages of his life. Mm -hmm. You learn about his bandmates. You hear from his bandmates. Mm -hmm. Um, I learned a lot about Rastafari. Yes. I didn't know a whole lot about Rastafari, and Mm -hmm. uh, that was definitely, I kind of always thought, I guess another misconception I had of Bob is like, that was who, what he was kind of born into from childhood, and no, it came about when he, yeah, he chose it, and it kind of like overwhelmed and like changed the whole country. Oh, yeah. Um, And Bob was also kind of an ambassador of that, Mm -hmm. like a a messenger for the Rastafari. Mm -hmm. What what did you learn about Rastafari? I learned about Rastafari, but I still like... Hey, Rasta woman. I still don't feel like I know enough to talk about it. Yeah. You know, like, I would need to do, that would need its own studying yeah like it is sprinkled in the book for sure Mm. like just like maybe traditions or you hear about how it like captivated them and then how they kind of like started structuring their social groups around it you know they had something called the 12 12 tribes tribes. and he and bob was like jacob joseph joseph okay that that was it that's when I was talking about how they thought he was like carrying himself different. Mm-hmm. They were talking. Someone mentioned that he thought he was like a reincarnated version of Joseph, like literally. And I think that was just one person's story, but that was yeah. kind of how they were. He was like feeling his presence at that time. Mm-hmm. Like Bob had changed, and he knew now that he was like Joseph, essentially. Have you ever felt like a reincarnated <laughs> like person or being or animal or tree? I don't know. Like, have you ever been around some living thing and been like? Or thought of, read about maybe a dead thing and been like, I think like my spirit was a part of that life, and now it's in this life. Uh, I mean, I read about it. I felt like way reading about Bob Marley. Yeah. <laughs> Not saying I'm a reincarnated version of Bob Marley, but I just felt like aspects of his life and stuff were in you. Yeah, in me. Yeah. And I, same with you. I yeah. Think, and same why we're drawn to him. But, yeah. Yeah learned about lots of you just learn so much honestly i think that was the best part about it is just it's an intriguing story it's a very uh intriguing read too and like you can't almost can't put it down and now we're dying to go to jamaica and you just learned so much <laughs> <laughs> yeah yes and now we're dying to go to jamaica even though the book doesn't really maybe make you want to go to jamaica it can make you who knows jamaica has beauty. i mean just like every spot 
Yes. Beauty. That's true. Light and dark. Mm-hmm. So. I agree. Yeah. Well, any... No, no much things to say. No, no more thi- No more things to say. No more things to say. I <laughs> yes. think that's about it. This is a... It was a good book. Yeah. It's an awesome book. Definitely, like I said, even if you don't feel like you know that much about Bob Marley, like, I think you'll be very intrigued and just pulled right in. Yeah. And... It'll make you want to know about Bob Marley, <laughs> and you'll be captivated by it, and then you'll start listening to reggae more, and what's wrong with that? Ain't nothing wrong with that. All right. I think Caleb's going to take us out. Peace. Love y'all. Bye.